Agency is an interesting one. I believe it's actually easier to sell than a low ticket membership, right? Call me crazy, but it's easier to sell a service because you only have to observe our own behavior. I want to hear from you, Matt. How did you find some leverage in the agency model so that you're not one of the many, almost all agency owners who at some point say, this is burning me out? The first way how I could actually scale it was through affiliate deals. So I could build email lists in the back end for the clients, and then we could actually run affiliate offers for these clients. And that was a new leveraged income stream as well, which is, I think, totally underappreciated. What advice would you have to someone who's still in that phase where it is a bit of a struggle? Pain equals purpose. This is James Schramko. James Schramko here. Welcome back to my podcast. This is episode 1057. Today we have a repeat guest, Matt Dipple. Welcome, Matt. Great to see you here. Great to be back, James. Thank you for having me. I've been following your journey. Uh, we are social media friends. One day we'll be real life friends. You keep coming to Australia and often I'm out of the country when you come or I'm in a different state, but it will happen. You've helped me a lot in my um, health journey. I'm, you're the first person I remember talking about taping up your mouth when you go to sleep. You have lots of great views on alternative health that might be counter to what we're hearing, you know, if we were to go to the local GP, which I think is always very interesting. And it's good to stay aware of lots of different methodologies and to have various people in our corner giving us information that we can try for ourselves. And the last time we spoke was episode 911. But things have really moved a few gears since then. From what I gather, you've, um, well, the snapshot of what I'm aware of is you went to a conference in Europe. You came away from that with a couple of ideas. You've built yourself a nice little empire in a non-English speaking market. So that's the first headline for this episode. How well can we go in a non-English speaking market? Second thing is how well can we go in a non-English speaking market to a fairly diverse field. It's not a make money online market. It's a health related space. So it's the second point. The third thing is how do we make choices regarding platforms and team size and growing out your business model? So I'm really curious to see what you've been up to. Maybe you can let us know what happened since the last time we spoke where you had started doing some projects with some of these practitioners on a smaller scale, but things changed after that. Yeah, definitely. So basically I started after your advice. I mean, I started out with click.com executing a small membership model that you really inspired me to roll out. I did that for about maybe 12 months. That was in 2020. And then you really inspired me to go more into the agency model space. So I rolled out a small boutique social media agency for health experts in Germany, in particular for doctors in the functional medicine space. And I was very strategic who I would pick as my first client. And I literally rocked up in his doctor's office with an iPhone and started to capture footage. And then I just edited it on Adobe Premiere, put a headline over it, and then put some subtitles under it. And then as of today, I'm still with this one client. And due to the good work that we did together, I was able to get a very high quality other clients. But now what happened was following was growing and growing I used mainly live events to get people from social media onto an email list. So we just did Q&A events and that was a fantastic strategy to build the list. 
But then we had to come up with some other strategies because the doctor said, listen, Matt, I'm booked out. I can't deliver anymore. And actually, basically, I need to clone my knowledge. And then that was shortly actually before I went to this event here in Europe that we might talk about as well. And um, that was what happened. Yeah. So small agency model. I went into email newsletter building, patient acquisition, and then now I'm actually getting more into like course production. Well, let's just check in there. I remember you were one of the first members of my low ticket membership model where I wanted to prove something. I wanted to prove that you could start a membership with zero content. So I fired up Click, it's KLEQ.com for anyone listening, and I set up a membership product and I made it $10 a month. And along came Matt. And you were an avid fan of that membership, I remember. That was my reaction to COVID saying, you know what? I'm getting a lot of people having um, billing failure or panic and that they may bail from my core product. I need to give them a safety net to land on. And I made this soft landing product. I had a great fan base in that membership. It didn't scale to the level that I would have wanted it to for me to continue to deal that model. But as the market you know, got sorted out or whatever, it was clear that I need to focus back on the $99 level as my minimum level of my standard membership is still perfectly fine. And, you know, it's absolutely worth 10 times the value when you consider the playbooks and the live calls and that. And I'm absolutely grateful that you actually progressed into the next level membership. So you were one of those first clients that proved something for me. So I'm always grateful to you for that. In the course of that next level membership, you really had the ability to start refining. I remember you asking questions about where do I get videographers? Uh, how much can I charge? What sort of products can I do? And yep. the reason we went from low ticket membership, because a lot of people start on the low membership model. And I want to just address that. The reason why I think we start there is it caters for our lack of experience. We feel comfortable charging a small amount because maybe we don't have a lot of runs on the board. We feel like it's not going to be a big ask. And it's pretty low risk for the buyer to try it. The challenge is you need a lot of customers for that model to work. It'd be quite a lot of wear and tear. You need, well, technically, you need hundreds of members for a low ticket to be viable, but probably thousands, and in some cases, tens of thousands, depending on how, how low ticket you go. Like if, if you had a $7 a month membership, then I imagine you'd probably need 10,000 people for that to be an amazing business. And by amazing, I mean a million bucks a year, right? As just, let's say... That's a reasonable number for most people to be excited about. And look, if you're way past that, awesome. Congratulations, you're doing well, right? But most people aren't, let's face it. So you moved into the agency model. Now, agency is an interesting one. Why do I think people choose that? I think they choose it because you do not need many clients. You said, Matt, that you only had one client in the beginning and that was enough to get going, to learn some stuff. So you do not need many clients. It's a much higher price point. I believe it's actually easier to sell than a low ticket membership, right? Call me crazy, but it's easier to sell a service because you only have to observe our own behavior. Do you go out and grow your own food and cook every single meal? And the answer for most people is probably on the first question, no. But even if they buy their food, not everyone's cooking every meal these days. And there are certainly advocates for, hey, you know, you should only ever get takeaway, right? I imagine the processed food alert had just went off in Matt's world there. Uh, and I'm not advocating for that too, by the way. But I'm saying most of us know that we can go and have something done for us, like a meal. There's an endless supply of service providers who would like us to take something off their hands and pay us handsomely for it. Now, the catch can be that you usually need people 
for that business to work beyond a few clients. So I imagine you hit a wall where you've got one client, you start getting a couple more, say, oh, gee, now I'm actually quite busy. (laughs) Otherwise, you start slipping in product delivery or whatever. So it's generally, you know, certainly before AI, it was generally fairly human intensive, a service. And one of the solutions around that is to find leverage in it or to create a hybrid model. It's kind of like what I do with my mentor level and with my partnerships. I'm blending a little bit of service with a little bit of leverage. And I'm definitely leveraging with platform. I'm leveraging with recurring subscription model. I'm leveraging with price points. I want to hear from you, Matt. How did you find some leverage in the agency model so that you're not one of the many, almost all agency owners who at some point say, this is burning me out. I need to do info products, right? Did you get to that point? Are you at that point or have you been able to save yourself from it? So the first way how I could actually scale it was through affiliate deals. So I could build email lists in the back end for the clients, and then we could actually run affiliate offers for these clients. And that was a new leveraged income stream as well, which is, I think, totally underappreciated. And uh, they're just now as well, even in Germany, there are a lot of great affiliate offers. You can get coupon codes for different health products, and you can then actually funnel that into the pot of your client in the financial pot. And then you can agree on a profit share on that. If you're the marketer in the back end to make it work on the level of automations and all of this stuff. So that was the first leverage that I did find. And then now the second leverage is definitely that I'm a production partner for like, for example, a longer mentoring course for a specific segment of the list of the client. And that is highly leveraged because I have the production team for the content I run all the systems, I run the operations, and my clients, they don't have time for that. They are very skilled experts, but they're not skilled experts in the space that I'm in. So it's the perfect marriage, what I experienced. I love it. Well, usually the marketer should get paid well, because I think the marketing is the hard part. Let's face it, experts are dime a dozen. I don't mean to be condescending or anything, right? Because I didn't even finish university. Thank goodness I got good at selling and marketing because I can help experts who are really good at something, whether it's a, you know, my first client, um, proper client in the agency space was an injury lawyer. They all went to university. They have to qualify for certain requirements to be able to practice law that I didn't have to for any of the, to run their website, AdWords, SEO, conversion rate optimization. I didn't have to qualify for any certificate for that. I just had to be good at it. So I also want to say this is a metric, right? I like to throw out these things just because I have a significant experience in affiliate marketing and I still do this to this day. I believe most business owners online could probably generate an extra 30% on top of their own products by just recommending the things their clients are already buying or should be buying. Just being that introducer, being that trusted authority to test, check, where with with honor that recommendation and and you know this is so topical right now and i hope you don't mind me saying this matt but one of the things one of the platforms you're using is click right we we all know on this podcast that i'm a partner of that program it's a really good software program and it's kind of like the love child between a click funnels and a kajabi and a circle or a school or udemy and all those if you took some of the elements that people like about them and put it into one It's got that, except for the email marketing, and I can talk endlessly about why that's not included in the program, and it shouldn't be. But I love that platform, and I have a long history of promoting software. 
But there was a time back in the early days when I was promoting a different software and I realized that software ceased to become the best option in the market. And that was the very first one I was promoting, Excite Pro. It was good in the day for people who had a Windows laptop and wanted to build their own website. But beyond that, uh, WordPress started to put a chokehold on it and take it out. <laughs> then the platforms like Click come along and they are like, they were what you get if you were to take WordPress and take it to the next stage and put all the cool stuff in it and spend a lot on R&D. And the reason I'm bringing this up now is at about the time of this podcast going out, there's a lot of hoopla for some of the other platforms out there, the community platform. There's competitions, there's hoorah and whatever, and there's endless gurus and people promoting the crap out of it for commission. So I said before, you can add commission. I, like, it's great that people are promoting the platforms. The caveat is, though, some of the platforms aren't that good and people are promoting them because they want the money. So I would say if you are going to do any kind of affiliate or recommendation marketing, please stake your reputation on it. Like be bold enough to say, you know what, I've tried it or I use this or it's actually good. I'm not just promoting it for the cash. And that's my standard. And it's not a coincidence that most of the features of Click are parallel with what I was doing in my membership before I came on board. Like we built it as my rescue boat to step onto. We built it for that reason. And so it's not the most widely promoted platform because we don't have endless affiliates out there shilling it. It's just a great platform for people who want something where they can customize the look and feel of it, which you cannot do with most of the other platforms. It's a great platform for people who want to have their own domain name. They don't want to be having forced branding from some... I imagine, like, tell me if I'm wrong, but I imagine your functional medicine doctor doesn't want to have a school URL in their thing or school branding on everything. I don't get it. So there's basically, they're going to run out of market at a certain level. Definitely not, James. And I as well, I want to be protective of the attention span of actually the people that we send there. So that's why I love to be very focused on one platform that we're in full control of. And as well, just the email, the, the landing page capabilities, the list building capabilities, even like the capability to host a Congress on it is incredibly valuable. Yeah. And, and you know, um, what's interesting is that once you get an instance that works well, you can quickly deploy versions of it. You can customize it with your client's colors, look and feel like that's one of the main things. I speak to John, the founder of that program. And he said, you know, in the early days, I wanted to make everything like set like they do on Teachable or Udemy and that. And then people can say, but I want to change the color. I want to put my logo here. And he's like, okay, I'll do it. He doesn't understand why people would then go for other platforms that don't allow that. Like, look, that is a significant feature and it's a wonderful feature. And it's also, you can make very low friction environments. So people don't know this, but some of my free courses that I have to publish, right? Like it few years ago, maybe a few, maybe seven or eight years ago, I sold some standalone courses. I would like someone if they bought that course, and maybe you bought some of those courses, Matt, to be able to access that course, right? I want them to have a fair and reasonable experience. So I still have to publish that. So I actually put them up for free on the outside of my website. So someone comes to support and says, hey, I purchased this course. Where is it? We say, here it is. And the whole thing is there. No login, no gateway, it's accessible on the page. Now, this is something that I think is super important. This is one of the major differences. If you want to go with all the platforms that don't allow you any customization, well, fine. It's all hosted and everything and thrown into one big bucket. 
if you want to go full custom control and have your own web development tech team, right, as a very small agency, I imagine you're very small, right? You're not in the 10 or 15 or 20 staff level, right? You don't want that resource or responsibility of keeping the thing up and running and all the rest. So what I like about Click is you can still have it on your domain. You know, you, you point your domain to their installation. It's technically how it works. But they're hosting it, they're running it, they're in the background fixing. You actually don't need to be a coder or a tech wizard to make it work. So I imagine it's handy for a small agency to get the leverage as if you had a big tech team and the customization as if you had all the custom tech, but you're able to manage it all like literally drag and drop, right? Tick a box or change a color if you want, if you don't have someone in your team to do it like I do, which is kind of a luxury item, I'd say. So I'm still not logging in and doing things in the back end, but I actually have occasionally just to, to try it out and it was ridiculously easy. I just had to remember to tell my team what I did so that they weren't like, who changed this? <laughs> you nailed it, James. That's exactly why I love it so much. But actually I'm in the process of building now some connections to Studio One, for example, to get more customized designs for one of my clients now. And I want to get a good development team that I can always tap if I want some templates to be built or something like that. Beautiful. Yeah, well, I mean, studio1design.com, they're the ones who do all my designs. They listen to you. They find out what you want. They come back with mock-ups. You make some adjustments. If So I rarely actually make any adjustments. They're usually straight up good. And then I give the finished files to my team and say, can you make my site look like this? So the James Shramko membership, which you can look at if you're on my website and click on membership. Uh, there's a tab on the top right. You can see what the membership looks like. That is uh, from a studio1design.com template that my team have faithfully replicated in the membership. So the spacing, the font, the color code, the, it's all legit, quite a nice user experience. And that's because it's seamlessly integrated. It's like hand in glove. I think that's the easiest way to explain it. But let's get to the meat and potatoes here. Something happened from episode 9-11 to now that you went to an event run by Trevor, our sort of frequent copywriting guest. He was running an event but from memory, some kind of deal was done. Is that right? I don't know if you can talk about that, but I want to know what happened there. What were the mechanics of it? So basically, I wanted to go to Trevor's first conference where John Carlton was. And uh, it was an event with Drayton Bird from England, fantastic copywriter, legendary sales letter written by Trevor. I wanted to go there, but then I couldn't because my son was just born around that time. And then he actually hosted it again last year. And I saw it over Facebook. I said, like, I'm not going to miss this one this time because here in Europe, I've never connected actually to a copywriting community before ever. And I was mainly connected to all the English speaking stuff. And so then I really jumped on that opportunity. I wrote to him and then I was quite bold and I offered to him, hey, listen, Trevor, do you have anybody to film your event? Do you have anybody to do a trailer for your event? And he said, actually, no, I don't. And so then... We struck a deal. We could go there. We could film this event. We delivered a fantastic trailer for his uh, live event in video form. And I learned so much on that event. I connected to some real legends. And I'm in close contact with Trevor now. I'm super grateful for the connection. Yeah, it's like, look, I couldn't overstate this. Meeting people face-to-face in the online world is really the secret. I remember going to John Carlton's action event in San Diego. The airline lost my luggage. I got sat next to Bond Halbert and I was networking with David Deutsch and just the most incredible people that I got. I met Harlan Kilstein for the first time there. 
And then through those copywriting connections, um, also I met Kevin Rogers for the first time in real life, even though we'd been uh, Warrior Forum buddies for years. And from there, I met all the Trevors and the Paris and so forth. So all those legends, they came through the, those connections. And, and of course, John Carlton being absolutely like episode number one of my podcast. And I uh, have a lot of gratitude for how many people he introduced me to and, and how generous he was towards me when he didn't have to be. He was a big shot and I was a nobody. So going to those events, man, if you, if you eat meals, you have a few discussions it'll open up your world and it obviously opened up and created a paradigm shift for you you cannot go back to pre-event version of matt it doesn't exist you know the matt that rolled along to my membership all those years ago four years ago on ten dollars a month is not the same person that we see here today now you've got confidence you have resilience you have connections you have runs on the board you have a tool set that is phenomenal I like to think of the metaphor as you've chosen what race you want to be in, you've picked some great vehicles for it, and now you've assembled the team and you've got that winning formula. So you're just winning the races. And I love that. You're winning life. And as a young parent, who um, it must be a luxury dealing in your local market. Now let's address that topic. You've made a conscious choice to stick Close. How developed and mature is the German-speaking market compared to what you've experienced in the U.S. market, the English-speaking market? With this knowledge that I gained from you, the strategic business knowledge, the tactical knowledge, which platforms to use, insight into the copywriting world, and now the connections with Trevor and all the other connections from that, it's like literally going with a lightsaber into the Stone Age. That's how it, how it feels for me right here in Germany. There are very few people who have an appreciation for copywriting and they don't understand how valuable that is as a strategic skill set. And um, yeah, that's where I'm at right now, James. I feel like in a lolly shop. Love it. And so what does your routine look like? Let's break it down to very simple stuff. Like if we were to say, well, probably the two main functions of your business is marketing and then fulfillment. Would you say that's fair? Like you've got to get the customers and then you have to deliver for them. How's your routine split between those activities? So right now I'm very lucky. So I have a very small but fine team that stands behind me, which is fantastic. So I'm not involved in the fulfillment right now of the agency business. Where I'm right now mostly active is in the strategic consulting with my clients, building the systems right now in the background actually learning, lots of learning and networking, getting new skills, getting new connections and selling. That's my major job right now. Love it. And it's not a bad thing to do, right? I think selling is uh, such a, a brilliant skill, especially if you sell with integrity. If you can tell true stories that have really positive outcomes for the end user. And I'm conscious in your market, the work you're doing is literally helping people have a better life. It's not just like when we hear about selling in the make money thing, we talk about, oh, you can live on a, an island and have pina coladas by the poolside. It's not that bullshit. It's like, hey, you could actually live longer. You could help reduce the issues you're having with some sickness or illness and have a better quality of life. I imagine it must be very meaningful work that you're doing. I was basically last night, I was bawling my eyes out in a call. It was a mentoring call with uh, one of the doctors I work with. 
and he's training other doctors in using his methodology of functional medicine treatment. And basically, there were the stories of doctors bringing the case studies of their family members and like heavy stuff, not just like a flu or something like this. And then it was 40 people all putting effort into finding the best solution for that one patient and to support that doctor mentally, emotionally, and professionally. And I started that together with this doctor. And I was so incredibly proud in that moment that I'm part of that, that I kicked that off and that I executed on that. And it's incredibly meaningful. So functional medicine is such a precious new way of doing medicine. And with what we're doing right now with this here in Germany, we're actually in a category of one right now. That's a good place to be from a business perspective. You know, that's just as amazing. It really hits you when you actually witness those people, right? I remember um, standing up in front of my own audience and after a couple of days of organizing, facilitating experts to speak with them and sharing my best content and then wrapping the event and I'm looking out at like 220 people. These are people in my own community who paid to be there and they're usually sitting there in my hoodie that I gave them. They have my lunch and dinner meals that I've fed them in their belly and I've nourished their mind and I I feel like I've given everything for this and it's so satisfying because they have the gratitude. They come up, they want to give a hug, they want to say thank you and sometimes I look and I see they've brought along one of their kids I see a lot of husband and wife teams. And I know that each one of those people is attached to a business that serves others. It's not just the people in the room. It's not just your 40 people on the call. Imagine all of their patient index, like all the people they serve, all the people they help, all the published papers they're going to go and write, all of the impact. So I support good humans being good to others. It's like in a sea of charlatans and such a a wave of crap out there in the space. When you weed out through it, there are some really good people doing good things. And that's why I want to celebrate that. I want to champion people like you, Matt, on this show. And hopefully we can have a positive ripple for someone who's tuning in to be able to think, you know, stay on your path. It's not always easy. Maybe you're at um, the beginning, like you were four years ago, relatively brand new in our world, Matt. I was brand new and broke and sick. Right. You know, you were sick, broke and brand new, right? And, you know, I, you got to wind the clock back a little while back when I was in that phase of brand new. And that's why I want to stay in, I want to stay in touch. I want to have empathy and, and connect people like you who are doing this. And I get to see it. I witnessed this because you're in the membership. I get to see your personal growth. You know what I like? I like when you log in and you help some other member with something that it was you a year ago or two years ago. That is amazing. That's, that's heartwarming. And that's, that's actually the reason I still have the lower tier of my membership. I probably shouldn't even have it by now. Like it's such a, but almost everyone in there, I don't think they're actually going to go anywhere. And they've been there for so long, like seven, eight, nine years, some of them, uh, four or five for the newbies. <laughs> uh, it's just such a pleasant group. And we do still do a once a month call where I get to connect in person and I I really cherish those. It's actually the most satisfying thing that I do is running live calls with people. And I did my calls today, like every week for my mentor members, and I hear their stories and their challenges and they're openly sharing and their, their wins, their challenges, and we all help each other. And it's just such a, a good thing to do. 
What advice would you have to someone who's still in that phase where it is a bit of a struggle? They've got cost of living, a lot of their money's being eaten up by mortgage. They might have bought a couple of courses or even had some mentoring that didn't pan out for whatever reason, and they're feeling a little bit down. Yeah. I heard a very wise quote from a, um, actually, it happened in conversation with an entrepreneur here from Munich, and she talked about the concept, pain equals purpose. And for me, that definitely my biggest pain now turned into my biggest purpose. I was a patient when I was chronically sick. I didn't get the right help that I needed. I wasn't heard from doctors. I wasn't seen from doctors. So it took a very long journey for me to find the right doctors to help me. And now because I went through that pain, I now made that my purpose to actually remove that pain for all the people that connect via social media with the people that I champion with my agency. So I think look inside what is actually my biggest pain or what is a big pain that you see in society and then just make that your purpose. For me, it was my own story, but it doesn't have to be your own story. It can be like just a big pain in society that you want to contribute to. And then you build a business model around that, I think. Terrific advice, you know, that um, you could characterize what I've done to the same extent that when I was sort of working my ass off in someone else's business, growing it and having that financial pressure of raising a small army, I really looked to this, it almost seemed like a hopeless far away thing, but it was almost outrageous to think maybe one day down the track that I wouldn't have to work 60, 70 hours a week and maybe I'll have a surplus of income that takes some pressure off. And I made that my mission. The thing is, when I was able to solve that for me, and it was 2008, July 2008, quit that job. And I never looked back. And you know, since then, obviously, published Work Less, Make More is a long way down the track to explaining the leverage that can come. The crazy thing to me now is that I've just finished the, like, 2023, I worked just over 500 hours for the entire year, right? And I still had a substantial income. So almost like pinch yourself that this is actually a real thing, that this is possible. But I really believe I can help a lot of other people experience that through my own membership, through this podcast, through the tools and platforms and partners I've chosen who I believe have useful contributions for people. And, and that's why it's, I guess it's that sort of, it's almost cliched to say, but it's like purpose-driven or intentional. I'm truly at a point now where everything I do is optional. And this sort of works in with something one of my mentors drummed into me, which was no compromise. If you can remove all the compromises out, then you will be doing the things that feel natural. And if you can solve your own pain and share the solution with others, that's such a good starting point. And you've done it with your illness. I've worked with plenty of people. I worked with a guy who did that in the rheumatoid arthritis market. I've um, typically, actually, I said to some, someone yesterday, they were having a bit of a difficult time in business. And I said, all this shit that's happening, right? It's just manure to make your crop grow bigger and stronger, right? <laughs> Turn that manure into fertilizer and let it go. So celebrate these challenges. Celebrate this moment. It will pass if you continually focus on doing the right things. And one of my missions is to help people avoid making mistakes. A huge part of what I do is to help people stop doing things. Like I've actually got a post-it note on my computer. I'll share it with you if you want, Matt. Definitely. It's another thing my mentor shared with me. And this post-it note says, what's the point? What's the point? Right. 
if there is no point to doing something, stop. Just don't do it. Do you know, I've saved my audience from a whole bunch of crappy podcast episodes because I'd rather record less but better than to publish something that's half-assed, right? It has to be intentional. My intention today was to share a story of a member who's using the platform that I suggest other people might consider, click.com, who's doing good work for people in a non-English speaking market, in a non-make money segment, and just slaying it. Who's also used the power of networking, of offering barter instead of cash. I mean, imagine that deal was very good for you and it was also very good for Trevor. And it is inspirational and informative in terms of what we might take away and do. So what do you think someone listening to this might have written down as an action step from today? Good question, James. For me, it's definitely, in terms of the platforms, always look at what you really need for your clients and not follow the hype. <laughs> oh, that's, that's a good one. And, and it's, it's super timely, super timely. Like, well, imagine that for a second. And I was actually thinking about this separately today. There's a lot of sales gurus out there, some like really great closers, and and some of it's some of them's got they've really got clever words, right? Really clever words, and they can sell. But I was thinking back to, you know, I used to sell. I was actually reading a four wheel drive page, and there's this guy who does social media who's quite controversial, and what he's doing well is he's speaking from his heart. It's quite a funny story because he's in Australia. We just love Toyotas, right? Actually, I have two Toyota four-wheel drives, so I love them too. But what he's done is he's made a pitch to an Indian company and he wanted to drive this Mahindra four-wheel drive and they lent it to him. And he's doing some Facebook content. He's really great and controversial. He's, he's telling people, you know, okay, sure, it's ugly, but it's really cheap and it does a great job and it's made with good components and you shouldn't poo-poo it. You know, you, all you Toyota-loving maniacs, you should consider this Indian. And it's not a China-built car. It's an Indian-made car. And what I love about it is it's raw and it's honest and he's speaking the truth for him and he actually cares about the end user. Mm. So imagine this for a second, when you say hype and we talk about gurus, imagine if they just cared about the customer, if that was their guiding principle, what could come of that? Mm -hmm. And I think when I think back to, I was reading that posting and I actually, I used to write marketing plans for the manufacturers. I used to sell a lot of cars, but the reason I sold a lot of cars, it's not because I knew tricky closes or I was a super, super duper manipulator. It's just that I cared about the person, the living, breathing human who had a mom and a dad and kids. Like I just cared that they made a good choice. That was my driving principle. Even if I made less commission, even if the car they were looking at is not a good car for them, I would actually say that and tell them why, even if it meant they bought something else, because that was more important to me. I guess you'd classify that as integrity. But I do feel like it's a rare thing and it's super valuable. And what you just said there, it's completely aligned with that. You like get the right solution for your customer. And to that end, if that is one of the platforms out there, go for it. I don't blindly say everyone should have the platform I recommend. I say if you're interested in these things and that's important to your use, which obviously should be based on what, you know, if you're not the customer, then the actual customer's end use, then go for it. This is what I recommend. And then maybe here's one last tip that I'm so grateful for how Clack helped me with that. So it's exactly about sales. So what we did, we had an offer. 
Then we hosted a webinar. Before the webinar, I got all the questions from the people who were interested in the offer. We did the webinar. We just answered all the questions in the webinar. That was the webinar. <laughs> and then afterwards, I took all the questions from the webinar. I created a FAQ section on a clack.com mini membership. Like everybody who signed up on the opt-in page got access to the videos. And only after they watched the videos, they could come into a sales call with me. And it was not even a sales call. It was just like, hey, how are you doing? And basically the sales calls were 15 minutes and it was a high five ticket offer. And it was not selling. It was just giving the right offer to the right person and making sure that it's a really good fit for them. So without Clack.com, I couldn't have had that smooth sales process either. And um, so maybe that's a little, little tip there, how to use it. Well, that's a couple of points. So we would call that a decision-making call. And I like that phraseology because it doesn't scare people who think they're scared of selling. And most people who are scared of selling, it's only because they've been told a different definition of selling than what it actually is. <laughs> they think it's something terrible that you do to someone. It's like what bad people do because they've had a bad sales experience as a customer. But selling is just problem solving, right? It's just helping people find the right solution. So that's not something we should be scared about. So you make the decision-making call. I like that you were able to create a membership. That's actually really popular with some of the big, the, the hyped up programs. It's all about free communities that then groom people to be ready for a paid product. You can absolutely do that. This is the thing. The platform's already done for years the things that other people are now just talking about. It's already done information products. It's already done funnels and sales sequences and upsells and carts. It's already done the deadline type funnels and webinars, and it's already done communities. And you can, with bundles, you can have free, paid, you can have different groups. They can access via an app, which is absolutely critical with a small upgrade. And it has push notifications. The one criticism that one of the platforms says is that, well, it doesn't offer email. Yes, that's right. Because it's a big stretch to try and be in a world-class email system as well. And Pretty much the systems that offer email have major compromises or flaws where the emails don't get delivered or it's a janky interface or you can't segment properly. That's why you go with one of the big boys. Uh, I'm using Entreport. What are you using, Matt? Active campaigns. There you go. Off Entreport, Active Campaign or Keep, MailChimp. There's a bunch of other ones. Whichever one's a major mainstream one, it will probably just integrate straight in. So, um, and when I say integrate, I just swept past that, but I mean deep integration. You can fire a tag if someone visits, let's say someone goes into that membership, you can fire a tag if they go to one page with a particular video on it that then notifies you, hey, this person's watched this page. You could actually start a new sequence, which I would say might be in like a nine word email. It might be like, hey, they've just watched this video. Now I'm going to fire a tag to send a nine word image, which was, hey, Dr. Phil, were you interested in having a little chat about how we might be able to install this program into your practice? Right, boom, automation fires off. You can make it do some very clever stuff and nothing too tricky. But I love that. I love that deep integration. I love the ability to fire a tag. I like to be able to fire a tag if someone doesn't go to a page. And so I've got, if, if someone doesn't log into my membership for a week, my system will automatically fire off a tag. Hey, Matt hasn't logged in. I'm going to send him an email. You know what the email says? Hey, Matt, are you okay? 
Do you know what the response rate to that? It's like the open rate on that email is something like 87%. It is off the charts. And that single email, which I've now over the last, it's been about 14 or 15 years I've had that email, right? It's been sent thousands of times. It's, it's made me millions of dollars in sales that I would have lost if someone just faded off into the distance. Amazing, James. And it's such a such a simple email. And uh, I actually put it in a playbook inside my own membership of, of the essential emails you should have if you have a, a membership. And that one, uh, which is commonly called a slipping away type email, is critical. I actually got the concept from a physical gym that I joined in the 90s. Like other people, I joined a gym and then didn't go. And they actually sent a letter to my house. And the letter said, like, hey, James, uh, we didn't see you last week. In fact, we went into the locker room and looked under the benches. We, we <laughs> checked behind the water cooler. And we didn't see you anywhere. We even searched the car park, but you were nowhere to be seen. And we're just wondering if you'd like to come and visit us next week. And by the way, when you're in, you use this coupon to get 10% off a protein bar or whatever. And I'm like, that is such a good email. But I, I, such a good letter. In the modern age, we should be sending an equivalent email for someone who stops using our service if we have a subscription business model. Uh, Matt, it's always such a, such a great catch-up. Huh? Is there anything else you want to share before we wrap? Well, I haven't even touched on all the great things that I think like .com offers. So I really need an upgrade uh, <laughs> what, what I can integrate more. No, I'm just super grateful, James, for your input. And yeah. It's just such inspiring to connect with you and with your community and with your content. As I said, without the podcast, I would have never met Trevor. So yeah, just one big thank you to you from my side. Uh, it's, it's my pleasure. And, and from what I gather, you just, uh, you just outreached him, right? I'd say most of the guests on my show are quite accessible via socials and certainly inside my community. There's plenty of them there. So thank you and congratulations. Just the work that you're doing is good from a personal health perspective. You have improved my life. Like I'm constantly getting a crown on my aura ring score. So I know when I'm getting um, a good sleep, then uh, yeah, a little bit of a hat tip to you every single night. Thank you. No, and I, I wanted to um, really like you, did, you changed a lot as well. You went into this deep transformation with one of your clients. With, you know, like a whole panel. It's not just one person. It's so many. So many of my audience have been unbelievably generous from the earlier podcasts I did where I discovered that alcohol destroys your sleep to more recent ones. Like I'm grateful to be able to coach people like James Swanick and he's really helping the world not drink. And he's just pulled a university research paper that shows they get a, like a 90 something, 97, 98% success rate helping people get off the booze. But it also correlates, and this is research-backed, peer-reviewed paper published by a top-notch university, that they make more money and have a better life as a result of it, right? So there's that. There's, uh, I remember Anita Chaperon was getting me doing yes. blood panels and testing. You helped me with the breathing. I've had, I know I'm going to forget someone, but Zach helped me with uh, losing 13 kilos and getting strength training and hooking me up to my biometrics. So good. But the, basically they just come at me from every angle. And I'm, and I'm also, I just assume the position that these people are just so much smarter than I am. I'm just going to listen to them. We did all the DNA testing with Jonathan. It was like the longest episodes we ever did. So through those years, you know, I went gluten-free. I breathe better. I move better. I'm, 
I'm actually fitter, stronger, healthier, younger feeling than I've ever been in my 50s. It's incredible. It's actually continuing. It's, yeah. It hasn't plateaued, which is the bit. And, and now I'm able to surf better. And I know like, I just feel great. I've just traveled the whole world in the last five weeks. I've been to four different countries. I've been up doing up to 17,000 steps a day. I went snowboarding one day and two days later, I was surfing in the tropics in the Philippines. So I went from Japan to Philippines and I've just been coping with it just fine. And now I'm back in heaven, Noosa recording. I actually didn't record podcasts from the middle of December until the end of January. I had such a great break, but you would never know if you're an audience member. It's just all, it's all working, but thanks to my health advocates and, uh, I appreciate you very much and thank you so much. Oh, I have to mention Tamash. You know, he's been in my corner the whole time. He's, he's put me on kefir and very good. He's, he just helps me with basically anything that's happening from COVID right through. Like we'll just smash through it in a day. He knows exactly what's happening. I love it. James, amazing. Well, thank you. We'll thank do, you so much. We'll put this up episode 1057. Uh, Matt Dipple there. Where can we go and find out more about your work? Uh, I know probably we don't have a stack of functional medicine people in Germany, but maybe you want to put a shout out for something you would be interested in people following. Basically, follow me on at German Biohacker on Instagram. If you have any questions, if you try to find some good doctors, a lot of them are online as well. Just reach out to me. I will hunt down the good ones for you. Especially if you've had an ailment or something that no one else has been able to solve. Matt is your man. <laughs> no pressure thanks mate no really i mean some of this stuff is totally niche and uh, more people need to know about this stuff i agree yeah this is james schramko 